the former Prime Minister, Arik Sharon, was once interviewed. And they asked him, Prime Minister, can you encapsulate the entire situation of Israel in one word? Arik said, one word, good. They said to him, good? How can you say it's good? There are bombs flying. There are knives. There are stabbings. This war, how can you say things are good? The prime minister said, can I use two words? They said, yes, not good. The question is, how do we put the entire Megillah Esther into one word? The rabbis of the Mesorah tell us that there are 167 psukim, 167 verses in the Megillah of Esther, and the way to remember this is through the word penuel. It's interesting to note that throughout the entire Torah, the 53 parashiot of the Torah, the rabbis of the Mesorah also gave us a word to remember the amount of verses in the parasha. Most of the time, the word that is chosen is a word from the prophets or the writings. For example... This week's parsha, the parsha of the the mnemonic of the parsha is Michael, Angel Michael, from the book of Daniel, from the book of the writings. Now we look into the Megillah of Esther. What is the mnemonic of the Megillah of Esther? The word is Penuel. Penuel is from the portion of Ayishlach in the book of Genesis. The question comes to mind, what is the meaning of Penuel, and how does this bring the entire episode, the entire Megillah of Esther into one word? Let us look into the story of Penuel, and then we will have some insight to the Megillah. Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, our father, wrestled with an angel. This was the angel of Esav, and as they wrestled together, the angel hit Yaakov, hit Jacob on his hip socket. However, Yaakov Avinu held down the angel, and finally the angel acknowledged that Yaakov Avinu won. When the angel left, Yaakov called that place Peniel because he saw God face to face. And as the sun rose and Yaakov left, he called the place Penuel. Comes the question to mind, what is the difference between Peniel and Penuel? Furthermore, the Torah tells us after this fight, this wrestling match between Yaakov and the angel, the Jewish people do not eat the Gid Hanosha. We do not eat the sciatica in an animal because of the fact that Yaakov Avinu was hit on his hip socket. The Sefer Achinuch explains that this wrestling between Yaakov and the angel represents the wrestling between the Jewish people and the enemies throughout history. And Torah tells us that even if, God forbid, the Jews will be injured, if the enemy will attack, 
and there will be some suffering. However, in the end, Yaakov Avinu, the Jewish people, the Bnei Yaakov, and the Bnei Yisrael will be victorious. And this is the message of the Gid Hanosha. This is the concept of why we do not eat this siyadika, to remind us of this Hashgacha Pratis, God divine providence, watching over the Jewish people for all generations. What is the connection between this story and the Megillah? What is the connection between the word Penuel and the Megillah? And why does the Megillah have only 167 psukim? My dear friends, the word Penuel means Panav El Hashem. Your face is to God. In other words, the difference between Peniel and Penuel is Peniel means that God awakens us with his inspiration. This is called the Asusa de la an awakening from above. However, Penuel means that our face is to God. This is the awakening from below. This word, Penuel, encapsulates the entire secret of the holiday of Purim. What happened on Purim? The Megillah tells us, Kimu Yehudim, that the Jewish people accepted upon themselves the entire Torah. A thousand years earlier, God gave us the Torah on Sinai. He put the mountain over our heads, and we were forced to accept the Torah. Says the Gemara, that for 1,000 years, we were under duress. For 1,000 years, we had an excuse. We told God, we didn't ask for this. You forced us into it. However, when it came to the holiday of Purim, and Haman decreed that every single man, woman, and child should be put to death, at that time, the Jewish people had the opportunity to save their life by denying God. They had the opportunity to be spared by giving up Yiddishkeit. Yet we don't find any person, any man, woman, or child who gave up God, who denied Almighty God, and bowed down to the idols. On the contrary, they said we would rather die as a Jew than live as Haman. And therefore, for the first time in 1,000 years, the entire Jewish people, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim, they accepted upon themselves the entire Torah. This concept is the idea of penuel. Penuel means that we turn our face to God. It is an awakening from below. We take the initiative. And this is the theme of Purim, where we, as the Jewish people, take this resolution. Once again, we make this commitment. And we take the initiative to serve God completely with an entire heart and entire soul. This is Penuel, the meaning of turning our face to Almighty God. There's a deeper concept, and that is Penuel means Paina Ani, that God says, I turn my face to you. That God turns his face to us and removes his consciousness from everything else of the entire universe 
and he is focused only on us. God's entire essence is turned to us. There's a famous story with the Alter Rebbe that his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, was sitting on his lap. And he turned to his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, and he said to him, Vu is Zedah, where is Zedi? And so the young Tzemach Tzedek pointed to the beard of his grandfather. And the Alter Rebbe said, no, this is Zaidi's beard, but this is not Zaidi. And so he pointed to the Alter Rebbe's nose. He says, no, this is Zaidi's nose. It's not Zaidi. He pointed to his ear. He says, no, this is Zaidi's ear. It's not Zaidi. And finally, the Alter Rebbe put him down and he left. The Tzedek Tzedek was playing and a few moments later, the Tzemach Tzedek calls out, Zaydi, Zaydi. And the Alter Rebbe responds, Vos is, what do you want? And he sees a big smile on the Tzemach Tzedek's face, a triumphant smile. And he says, Thus is Zaydi, this is Grandpa. My dear friends, there's a famous question. And that is, why is the name of God not mentioned in the Megillah? The basic answer, according to Allah, is that when they wrote the Megillah, Mordechai was concerned that the nations of the world, the 127 different countries who would interpret the Megillah into their language, would substitute the name of God for the name of their deity, for the name of their idol. And so not to increase the honor to foreign gods, Mordechai did not put the name of God into the Megillah. However, there's a deeper meaning and a deeper reason of why Mordechai did not put the name of God into the Megillah. And that is that the miracle of Purim was so great the miracle of Purim was so high that the essence of God saved the Jewish people. In other words, it was beyond the name of God. It was beyond the tetragrammaton. It was beyond God's ineffable name. It was the essence of God himself. It was Penuel, that God turned and he put his essence into the holiday of Purim. He put his essence to save and spare the Jewish people. And this is the reason why the mnemonic of the Megillah is Penuel, to tell us that God turns his entire essence, like thus is Zayda, this is God. The essence of God is in the Megillah. This idea is underscored by the story of Yaakov wrestling with the angel. As we said earlier, the Sefer HaChinuch tells us that the sciatica is a reminder throughout all the generations that when the enemies attack the Jewish people, we will be spared. However, according to Chassidus, there's a deeper concept. And that is 
to point out God's divine providence in every detail of life. The Semach Tzedek, the Alter Rebbe, all the Chabad Rebbes teach us the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, the teaching of Hashgacha Pratis. Up until the Baal Shem Tov, many great Torah scholars believed that God was involved with the human by divine providence, Hashgacha Pratis. When it came to other aspects of creation, the pods and families of animals and species, there God was only concerned about the species itself, not the details. Came along the Baal Shem Tov and he said, no. Every detail, even a grass, a blade of grass, a leaf, God is conscious of that reality. And he gave an example. He told the students, watch, I want to show you the following. A wind came and blew a leaf off a tree. The leaf turned over and stopped. He then told his students, I want you to go and lift up the leaf and see what you see beneath it. The student of the Baal Shem Tov went, he lifted up the leaf, and beneath it was a worm. He turned to the Baal Shem Tov and said, what's happening here? What does all of this mean? The Baal Shem Tov said, you should know that this worm called out to God because the worm was sitting in the hot sun. The sun was beating down on the worm, and the worm felt it was going to die. And it called out to God, save me, save me. And so Almighty God blew a wind. And the wind knocked off a leaf from the tree. And the leaf turned over X amount of times. Exactly enough times to cover over the worm. If the leaf would have turned over one more time, it would not protect the worm. If the leaf would turn over one time less, it would not protect the worm. God made the leaf turn over exactly X amount of times so it would cover and protect the worm. And so the Baal Shem Tov explained, this is true with every leaf, with every blade of grass, with every detail of creation, that God is conscious of it. Divine providence. More than that. Not only does God know about it and is God aware of it, but in truth, Every detail of creation is part of the general plan, is part of the cosmic plan, and complements every other aspect of nature. We see this when it comes to a home. The Aisha's Chayil, the woman of valor, knows where every book is, where every spoon is, where every fork is, where every shoe and sock is. Because that is the Aisha's Chayil, that is the woman of valor. Not only that, Every detail in the home complements every other detail. The chairs match the carpet. The carpet matches the wallpaper. The wallpaper matches the dishes. The dishes matches the napkins. Even the napkins are part and parcel and play a major role in the entire theme of the home. And this says the Rebbe is the lesson of divine providence. Not only is God conscious of every human being, not only is God concerned for the welfare 
and the needs of every human being. Not only does God know and care about every Jew and every child, but every detail is also important. In other words, one can argue that when you look at the human being as a whole, when it comes to the heart, when it comes to the brain, when it comes to the essential limbs, this is something we have to be concerned about. When it comes to, for example, the hair, the nails, that's not so important. Comes along the story of Gid HaNosher and tells us that even the sciatica is important because God is concerned about every detail of the human being. God is concerned about every detail of Am Yisrael. And that the sciatica, the nail, the hair, is equally as important as the brain and the heart. Why? Because it's God's children. And when it comes to your child, it doesn't matter if his brain hurts him, his heart hurts him, if he has fever, or if he has an ingrown toenail. It's all equally as important because it's your child. This is the message of Gid Nosha. And this, my dear friends, is also the message of Purim. If you look into the Megillah, you see how there was a plot and there was a sequence of events. And every detail is integral. That creates the seamless plot. At the beginning, you may think that one detail has nothing to do with the other detail. At the end of the story of Purim, you realize how every point is essential. And this is the message of Purim. Yes, God split the Red Sea. Yes, he took us out of Egypt. That is the lesson of Passover. But the lesson of Purim is that God is not only concerned about our freedom. God is not only concerned about the nation as a whole. But God is concerned about every single Jew. God is concerned about every single person. God is concerned about every single detail. Even the ingrown toenail is major concern before Almighty God. And this is the number of psukim that we find in the Megillah of Esther. There's 167 passages, 167 psukim in the Megillah of Esther. If you add up the letters and numbers of 167 with the Misper Katan to drop the zeros, you have 1 plus 6 plus 7. How much is that? That is 14. 14 is Yad, the hand of God. The hand of God was involved in every detail of the Megillah, in every detail of the story of Purim. Furthermore, the day of Purim is the 14th of Adr. Again, Yudalid, the Yad, the hand of God. But more than that, 167, 167 is the same gematria as Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad. God is our Lord, God is one. And this is really the theme of Purim. Not only is God in heaven, not only is God concerned about the big details, but God is also concerned with every single one of us. Echad, God is one. As we know, it says in the Code of Jewish Law, when we say the word Echad, we are to think 
how all four corners of the world and all seven heavens and this world is all nullified before Almighty God. God is concerned about every single detail. Furthermore, the holiday of Purim is a holiday when we have and celebrate four mitzvahs. Number one, to read the Megillah twice, in the evening and the morning. Number two, to give two poor people tzedakah. Number three, to give two ready-to-eat foods to one neighbor. And number four, to feast royally with your friends and say l'chaim, until you don't know the difference between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. In other words, Purim is a day that we have to celebrate not only our unity with God, but also our unity with our fellow man, to show our love for our fellow Jew, to show our love for humankind. This is the holiday of Purim. There's a story told of a great chassid, a mashpia, a mentor to many students in Lubavitch, of Lubavitch in Russia. His name was the Mikhail Der Alter, Rabbi Mikhail Bliner. And this Rabbi Mikhail Bliner was known for his Avas Yisrael. He was known for his love for another person. He would go and buy wood and bring it to the homes of poor people to make sure their home was warm. Furthermore, at that time, they would snatch Jewish children into the army. And he would run after the soldiers. And he would redeem these children. Once, when Rabbi Bukhal, the altar, was saying the Shema, he had his talis and tefillin on. And he was saying, Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. It came to his attention that there was a child that was being snatched. He took off his talis. He took off his tefillin. And he ran after to redeem the child. Later, his students said to him, Rebbe, Rabbi Chol, how could it be that when you're saying the Shema Yisrael, here, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is one, and you cover your eyes, you forget about the entire world. All you think about is God and the love for God. As we say, V'yahavta, as Hashem Lekech, you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. At that time, you should think about another person. And Rabbi Chol said, on the contrary, this is the meaning of Shema Yisrael. This is the meaning that God is one. That just like I love Almighty God, I have to love Almighty God's children. And therefore, I must take off my talus. I must take off my tefillin. And I must run after and save another Jew. And this is the ultimate message of Purim. Haman wanted to destroy every single Jew, man, woman, and child. He said, He told Ahasuerus, there's one nation. But they're weak. You know why? Because they don't have unity. They are sprinkled upon all the nations of the world. They're not united together as one. And that is why we have the power to destroy them. Comes along the holiday of Purim and says, no, we have to emphasize unity. We have to emphasize these mitzvahs to show we are sprinkled throughout all the nations of the world. But at the same time, we are united as one. As we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echad.